I don't even care that it's not in the musical because it's like perfect to me and I don't want to hear anybody else sing it, you know? I am crying the hardest I've ever cried in my life. I am sobbing. There's a clear, there's a clear worst song ever written for me. So I hope we have the same one. This song is a bop, like inject it, inject it into my veins. It just, it's so happy. Hi everyone, welcome back to After Broadway, the podcast where we deep dive into anything and everything musical theater from the comfort of my car. I'm Tara. I'm Stefania. And in today's episode, we're back with another ranking episode, and this time it's all about original songs written for movie musicals. Now, I feel like we've kind of talked about doing this like off and on since we started the podcast. I really think that the original song written for a movie musical is truly a hit or miss, more likely to be a miss endeavor. And we're here today to finally decide why it's a miss. Well, when we talked about this like a few weeks ago, um, we discovered that pre like the renaissance, I guess, of the resurgence of movie musicals, like these songs were great. And then it hit like the 2010s and we were like, what's going on here? Yeah, I, I I definitely have like a couple minds on why that is. So let's just mm-hmm. delve in. Let's just delve in. Okay, so the first well, we have some rules, right? Okay, so let's let's give give us the rules for this episode. Okay, so the rules. So we decided we were going to pick out each of our three favorites and three least favorites of original songs written for movie musicals. So mm-hmm. what that means is a musical that has been on stage and then has been adapted into a movie. Yeah, and they add a song that has not been previously written, that was written specifically for the movie version of this musical. So it didn't exist before, and now they've written it for the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, It has to be integrated into the plot of the movie, which is why we're saying no end credit songs. It has to attempt to drive story forward. Um, And again, it can't be a pre-existing song from the songbook of the composers, or let's say a cut song from the musical that they've added back in. No, it has to be written specifically for the movie. So it did kind of like limit our options here. Yeah. And also it's not, it's musical to movie. It's not the other way around of Mm -hmm. movie to musical. So that also kind of like limits That might be interesting to one day talk about too, like when they expand a movie musical into a stage musical, like the added songs that they put in. But or now, sometimes completely different. Sometimes it's like a completely yeah, changed. Yeah, they'll, they'll switch them scorned. around for yeah. sure. So yeah, so back to why I think they're bad now, for the most part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's probably two reasons. One is like a bit of a generous read, and one is like an ungenerous read. So I'll start with the generous one. We found that a lot of the ones from, let's say, older 20, 30, 40 plus year old movies or musicals, we have, we've like look at with such fondness. And I think part of that is because we don't know the musical any other way. So it's yeah. a lot of times they're now in the stage version. Um, they're like a part of the identity of the musical in pop culture. So we're, uh, we don't see them as different um, from the musical. So... That's just like our internal bias. So that's pro- the number one reason why we probably think the older ones are better and the newer ones are bad. Um, the other reason I think the newer ones are bad, and this is probably the ungenerous read, they are trying to win an Oscar. Every person oh, yeah. writing these songs is trying to win an Oscar so badly. And they're never thinking, does this serve the movie? Does this serve the narrative? 
um, because most of the time it doesn't. Most of the time, mm-hmm. this this has been explored when they workshopped the musical. This this moment has been explored. It's been decided. Um, not to say that you have to keep it exactly the same, but a lot of times it feels when you're adding a new song to a movie musical, it is there to be awards bait. Um, it is there to get somebody an EGOT, and it is not there to serve the story as a whole. It's so interesting because, like, thinking of that and then thinking of, like, original movie musicals, no stage adaptations at all, those songs are so much better. I'm just thinking of, like, The Greatest Showman. Like, look at that score, like, top to bottom. Those were all Mm. written for a movie Mm. musical, and it's better than anything Pasek and Paul wrote for the Dear Evan Hansen movie X number of years later. Well, you know what I mean? Like, isn't that like, I just, and same with like, I'm thinking of Enchanted. We, I only pull up Enchanted because like, we know that there are three songs being written for part one and part two of Wicked. I don't know like how many are in which, but it will be three brand new songs added to Wicked. And then thinking of Enchanted, also written by Stephen Schwartz, like those songs, amazing. So like, why does it work when it's outside of the constraints of a show that already exists? instead of inside mm. that is very know. interesting i i mean maybe i i i mean maybe this goes back to like kind of the first idea is that we're so kind of committed to a musical as one way and then to try mm-hmm. and add something else into it makes us like uncomfortable and i also find they always sound out of place and again maybe that could be like a bias of knowing a cast recording and then you hear like a new song in there and you're like i don't like this like i'm thinking even now of let's say heathers right which mm-hmm. is you know, they had the off-Broadway production. Now they do the West End production, but there's new songs in there. And when I hear those new songs, I'm like, excuse me, this does yeah. not fit. Like, this doesn't sound right. This doesn't, this doesn't, for me, it's not the same musical style as the previous songs, in my mm-hmm. in my opinion. And I find yeah. that a lot with, with these songs written for movie musicals, that the song, because it's written at a different time, in a different mindset, also with like the retrospect of seeing the musical and it having usually success, it impacts the way those songs are written. And I don't, mm-hmm. and I don't think it works usually recently. But maybe in 10 or 15 years, these songs will, will have a rise and people will be like, I don't remember Cats without Beautiful Ghosts, you know? Well, I'm sure we'll get to that later. <laughs> we'll get to Beautiful Ghosts, don't worry. <laughs> um, but let's start with songs that did work. Um, as you said, we were doing our top three favorites and then bottom three least favorites of these original movie musical songs. So Mm -hmm. what is your first favorite movie musical song? Okay, so this is a song in a movie musical. I don't think I've ever, I've never seen the musical. I can tell you I've never seen the musical. And I also think this movie is kind of bad. However, one of the highlights of the movie is this original song that was not in the original stage production. And that is... Cinema Italiano from the movie Nine. <laughs> well, we're starting hot with Nine. We're starting hot with Cinema Italiano. Um, look, I've never listen. seen Nine. I've only okay. seen like. Look, portions of nine you don't need to see nine it's not good um it's really really dull i think um but i do think cinema italiano it gives brings energy to this movie that the other songs are not giving and maybe this is another thing it is kind of 
dissonant from the other songs in this musical. But in this case, I think it adds because you're being so dragged down. And then finally, you're like, excitement, glitter, sparkles, Kate Hudson, um, in a way the other songs aren't doing. So it, I think this song is one of like the high points because it's so different from what else it's Also, the, the way that I thought that the movie came first. I had no idea no, that no. Nine was on stage. <laughs> well, it was a, originally a movie, like a Federico Fellini movie, Eight and a Half. And mm. then it was a musical, Nine. Um, and then it was a movie, Nine again. Movie musical. A movie musical, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. I have so, heard yeah. that song, though. And I've seen, like, the music the video, I She's think? in, like... Yeah. She's in like a silver sparkly like. That's actually mini. a great cast in that movie. Not sure if the movie is good, but the oh. cast is great. <laughs> Sophia Loren, Penelope Cruz, Marion Cotillard, Nicole Kidman, Daniel Day Lewis. I'm missing. I'm missing Fergie. Fergie. Kate Hudson. Okay. Um. The first one on my list. Um. This is a movie musical that I love. Um. I also loved it when I saw it on stage, and I think it's just like a staple in. Shaman and Whitman's roster of good shows. And that is Ladies' Choice from Hairspray. Um, to me, this song, as you had said for, like previously about songs not fitting when they're written specifically for, I actually think that this fits in perfectly. It's the same musical style. They're very they're very good at that musical mm-hmm. style that's Absolutely. like got a lot of horn, a lot of um brass like it fits the time period perfectly and this was also I think just stood out for me because you know previously in High School Musical 1 and like portions of 2 maybe Zach did sing in 2 but he didn't sing in 1 and then Hairspray comes out and you're like why didn't he sing in 1 he gave such like a rock star performance in this in this song They gave him a lot of vocal training for four hairspray. Good. I think. And no, they should because he had the he had the skills, um, as seen in many future movie musicals. No, I also love Ladies' Choice. I agree, it fits in perfectly. It um, and it establishes the character of Link. Like it lets you get to know him in a way that you're not you don't get to know him as well in the movie. I also think it's it's really smart to have him sing this song at like the school dance when we first see like the segregation for the for mm. the first time in the movie. Um, because one, what a great dance scene that we get. Then we break the barrier of the segregation and everyone starts dancing together for the first time, which like propels the plot for what happens later mm-hmm. in the movie. And then also. So it gives you like we're always told that Link is this like rock star mm-hmm. character, and in the musical he sings "It Takes Two, which is like briefly, briefly in mm-hmm. the movie. But "It Takes Two is not like a rock star number as Ladies' Choices. So I think yeah. it, it was like a good character character development song for Link. But they never added it to the to the musical, no. and I I think they could, but also like Hairspray's not really done so much these days anymore. Yeah, you know it's. Hairspray, it works on stage, it, but no, in the movie, it's a great, um, it's a great example of like show don't tell. Like you're being told mm. he's a rock star, but like show us, and they and they show us, and Zach delivers in that moment. So it's the great. dancing he does. We get to see like James Marsden, who I think is the real star of Hairspray in the movie, Absolutely. like is is watching. 
Tracy and Seaweed dance for the first time. Like, there's so much that happens in that scene that it's actually hard to believe that that number doesn't exist in the musical. Yeah, for sure. Wow. So, yeah. Lady's Choice. Um, okay, my next... Um, yeah, my next song written for the movie is actually one that is now um, part of... I think I of, have the same one. <laughs> probably. Is now part of the uh, stage musical when it's performed. And it is from Godspell. Tara, are we... No. No. Wow. I tried to pick different things from you. It is from Godspell. This, this was on my list and I took it off. This is from Godspell. This is uh, Beautiful City. usually sung near the end of the show when it's performed as a stage musical and I just think it it has that beautiful like gospel sound oh this um, song is stunning beautiful the way that the vocals are um like overlaid with each other like truly truly stunning and I think it builds in a way to bring you to the end of the musical and i also think you know he's like religious musicals stephen schwartz we've we've been talking about him Mm -hmm. um stephen schwartz like putting this together and i think that original cast recording is kind of you know missing just a little bit of like bringing everyone together before the end and i think this like purpose like really serves a good purpose of having everyone sing together before you know the end of godspell which is you know who's know about jesus that sings it in the musical that I love. I can't think. Is it Hunter Parrish? Yeah, it's Hunter Parrish in the recent cast recording. Gorgeous so voice. Good. Stunning so voice. Good. Stunning voice. I think he's the first person I heard sing it because um, I hadn't seen the movie before. And I believe it's got to be it's got to be Victor Garber in the movie um, who plays Jesus. Oh. So, yeah, gorgeous. Stunning. So does that mean that when it played in Toronto originally... Wait, when did God's... I don't even know if we So the movie was... Um, so the movie was 1973, but it played Toronto in 1972. So no, okay, Beautiful so City was not in it then. In the Toronto one. That's no. what I was wondering. Yeah. Huh. But Victor Garber was. So, right. Yeah. As we, Victor, as we know. Victor Garber has been with Godspell for many years, it seems. Bring it back. <laughs> bring, <laughs> bring it back. Um, no, absolutely. Um, bring Godspell back. Yeah, the last Broadway production was that like kind of 2011 Hunter Parrish Lindsay Mendez, George at Salazar circle. at Circle in the Square, which in I think is a, a nice venue for it because it's like parables. That um, was also like the first time that we had seen that Circle be, could be so like adaptable. There was water on stage. Um, mm-hmm. It was a very, I remember I was in New York when it was on and I feel like I won the Wicked Lottery at that time because I remember seeing the posters for right. for Godspell at the time right like underneath. with Lindsay Mendez and everything. Yeah, so... No one, everyone was in line for Wicked. No one was in line for Godspell. <laughs> Sorry and to Godspell. And if I had the knowledge that I have now, maybe I would have been in line for Godspell. Maybe you would have been in line for Godspell. Maybe. Because, you know, you've seen Wicked enough, is what we're saying. Well, it was, but that was also like, they don't do in-person Wicked lotteries anymore. So that they was don't? a whole, no. They don't? No, Does anyone killed it. Lottery? 
Yeah, COVID killed in-person? all the in-person wow. lotteries, I think. So that it's was just there. like a different place in time when you it would really watch what they had like the, the bingo ball situation yeah. where they would like pull. I was like, what a time. That does not you exist to, anymore You had at to all. show up on the day. Yes, I only ever did an in-person lottery um, here in Toronto. Actually, this is like a tangent. But for the Book of Mormon, I did an in-person lottery and I did win. So I know. I've attended one in-person lottery and I won it. So we never need to go back. <laughs> I've we and we've won a few lotteries like via app. Online. So yeah. But it I does work. The community um mm. like the communalness of a in person lottery was, yeah. was always fun. You would like cheer for each other. The funniest thing to me ever, this is truly a tangent now, but like when I went to New York one time with Corey and Tyler, when we there was an ice storm in Toronto, so our flight was cancelled, but we were able to stay an extra day in New York and we got like some money via like credit card company because like all of our flights were canceled we went to just try to see if we could win the lottery for Wicked because they had never seen it and watching people leave the matinee of Wicked to enter for the evening lottery (laughs) immediately as if they didn't just sit through a three-hour show was actually wild to me (laughs) again um yeah so I don't know I think in-person lotteries could come back let's bring it back is what the real the real answer to this entire thing is they don't want to be blocking the street off though that was that was another big problem with Hamilton right like true yeah blocking the street yeah see at circle you can do it because it's that kind of like driveway underpass yeah yeah so it's fine um okay my next song was written for the movie it is now in the musical, which is where I thought you were going with this, but maybe you're still going with this. Um, and that is the song Listen from Dreamgirls. Um, you don't have it, I take it. I don't have it on my list because I know how passionate you are about Dreamgirls and I didn't want to I might have two Dreamgirls on my list. <laughs> um, this isn't this even is, my favorite one from Dreamgirls, but go on. It's also not my favorite one. My favorite one is coming. <laughs> go on, go on. Um, this song... Uh, written by Beyonce and a bunch of other people, but I feel like when it was added to the movie sung by Beyonce, the character Dina sings it, I think everyone was like, oh my God. One, Beyonce's in this like movie musical making her like movie musical debut. And then two, she's like wailing this incredible song um, that was written for the movie. So it did go into the um, musical version in the West End because when I saw it, it was in it and it's sung by Dina and Effie. It's kind of like a little bit of a duet. And I do Mm -hmm. think, but don't quote me on this, that it happens kind of at a different part of the Mm -hmm. show. I want to say like way, way closer to the end, whereas this is after there's like a big fight. What's Jamie Foxx's character's name? Curtis? That sounds right. Curtis, Curtis, Curtis. Yeah. So, like, Curtis has left. Effie is now with Dina, wants her to, they want her to record uh, One Night Only, which was written by Effie. And it's, like, this whole, like, inner struggle of what do I do? And it literally is just, like, Beyonce in a recording studio in the movie, just, like, belting this, this for memory. her life. I think I've seen this movie one time, but I have this memory of, like, a shot of, like, Beyonce's face in profile and like Jamie's Fox's face in profile. Yes. And she's like singing. Vivid. Yes. Vivid. Look, all I have to say about this is I am alone at a crossroads. I'm not at home <laughs> in my own home. And I've tried and tried to say what's on my mind. I also would you like to known. say that it was added to Beyonce's like album at the time, which Great. I don't even know what album that was. But it's then she be. also sang it everywhere. She sang it at the Grammys. Sasha Fierce. 
they sang it at the Oscars, but my favorite, like, all-time favorite performance is, like, they sang it, ran- it was, I guess, like, Dreamgirls was pr- being promoted on Oprah, and all of the cast was there, and then Beyonce sings Listen. It's, like, the greatest live version of this song I've ever heard, and, like, we know Beyonce is Beyonce, but, like, what an incredible song that I think fits so well into this Her- musical. And her vocal and her range. Yeah. It's on it's on B-Day, for anyone oh, curious, on, on B-Day. B-Day. Um, and I do think because, like, Beyonce has said before that, like, she loved Dreamgirls. Obviously, that's why she joined this project. So the fact that she had a hand in, like, writing, I think it actually, like, meant a lot to her to do justice to a score that was already um exist like a score that already existed and a score that was so well loved by mm. like the black community specifically so to add this like incredible like r&b belty song for a character that is going through so much from the beginning to the end like i don't know i think it fits so well and i i love listen it is still something that i listen to all the time oh i'm screaming out and my dreams will be heard they will not be pushed aside or words into your own All cause you won't listen I am alone and a crossroads I'm not at home in my own home And I'm trying to try to say what's on my mind You should have known oh, Now I'm done Hey, I remember when they were promoting this movie and Beyonce talked about her audition for Dreamgirls and how she like showed up in full costume because she took it so seriously. She wanted yeah. to do this role so badly. Um, and so, uh, I don't know. I miss Beyonce in movies. Well, okay. I don't miss Beyonce in all movies, but I miss <laughs> Beyonce in like this kind of movie that she was like passionate about. Another one, what a cast. An amazing cast. Everyone was so good in this movie. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy, Murphy was really, robbed. Eddie Murphy was robbed. Was robbed Who won that year? Oh, it was, it was oh, the Little Miss the Sunshine year. Wasn't it the Little Miss Sunshine year? Yes, but who won? So it must have been like Alan, Alan Arkin? Arkin? Alan would, he, would he have been um, feature or lead? Yeah, they'd both be supporting. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's who won that year. Because I, I don't like, think Jamie Foxx was nominated. We, Jennifer Hudson won that year. Jennifer Hudson did win. They also gave Dreamgirls like nine minutes to perform on the Oscars because they had <laughs> they so really? many. They had so many they had three original songs. songs. They, they had three so songs, many. right? Yes, which I will songs. talk about another one in a minute. But they have so right. many original songs. Right, they had three songs. Yes, so like instead of getting three minutes, three minutes, three minutes, they got the full. Um, the only minutes. other time that that's kind of happened is when like Enchanted performed at the Oscars because they also had like so many songs nominated for best original song that year. Um, yes, but I don't remember that performance at all. You don't reason. remember Amy Adams singing, like, That's How You Know and, like, Happy Working Song? I really don't. Wow. Sorry. Sorry to that. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry to Amy. To <laughs> Sorry to Amy for, you know, whatever she was doing. Okay, wait. I am figuring out who. Alan Arkin won in the year 2006 for being in Little Miss Sunshine, um, beating Jackie Earl Haley in Little Children, Damon Hanzu. Hounsou in Blood Diamond, Mark Wahlberg in The Departed, and Eddie Murphy in Dreamgirls. That's wow, good category. What What a category. Mark well, Wahlberg for The Departed. So Eddie Murphy won the Globe because it was obviously like musical comedy musical. versus um, drama. But mm. 
A lot of people think that the reason that he didn't win the Oscar was because the controversial movie Norbert came out that same year. Norbit, and, oh my God. Or Norbit? Nor, yeah, Norbit. 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 Norbit, yeah. Please, and, please respect. <laughs> put some respect on Norbit's name. I've seen, I saw that movie in theaters. Like. I've never seen Norbit. Sorry, I don't think I've ever seen an Eddie Murphy playing 12 characters movie, but go on. You've never seen like The Nutty Professor? No. Oh my God, Steph. Wow. <laughs> It's like, I've seen maybe every movie where Eddie Murphy plays 12 different characters. But truly, I think that's like one of the main reasons why he didn't win because the Academy was like horrified by Norbit. Biased, if you will. They did not want to honor. But I think. I was also horrified by Norbit. But that that shows like growth as an actor. What a range that he can play 12 characters in Norbit and then like Jimmy Early in Dreamgirls. I know. I you you do always wonder. People do have preconceived notions about certain performers, and but also wasn't it seniors not... Tropic Thunder because that was also no Tropic oh, Thunder no. was a couple years later. Tropic Thunder was a couple years later. Another but controversial like, movie. Robert Downey <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. was nominated for Best Supporting Actor I know. that year. He did lose to Heath Ledger, well. um, which is fine. But yeah, I do think there are preconceived notions about actors that go into awarding them at the Oscars or even nominating them. Like I always think about like JLo and Hustlers not getting nominated. Right. Um, because like people don't just look at the performance, but they're also thinking about their persona. And I think maybe if they delayed Norbit by one year, if he was like, if we could just push Norbit back by like six months. Although I would be, be first something. to say that I don't think J-Lo should have been nominated for an Oscar oh, for Hustlers. J-Lo and Hustlers was, was an absolute icon. The fur coat. That's fine. You can be iconic, but it doesn't need to be Oscar worthy. It does though. Um, <laughs> no, but like I, I truly do feel that like her, her non-acting persona impacted the way people thought about her she, in that movie. She really thought that she was she she wanted winning. It. She, she really thought she was winning. <laughs> she really she really wanted it. She really wanted it, and that's yeah. okay. You can want it. That's um, fine. But yes, okay. okay. What is Here your we last are. one? My number one. It's actually a song I talked about on the podcast a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, but from the movie Cabaret, the song. There's actually a few songs that weren't in the musical and then that were added to the movie. So the first one is actually Maybe This Time. Which, which is crazy from, to me it is that crazy. that was added. It was from, I believe, like the Kander and Ebb songbook that they added to the movie. So it actually does not fit this category, which is why it's not the pick. Which is why it's not the pick. Otherwise, it might have been the pick. Um, another song that was added to the movie, but uh, wasn't in the musical. Again, these are all now like mainstays in mm-hmm. the... Um, in the um, stage show is Money. Money makes the world go round. And then finally, the one that I've picked, uh, absolute favorite song of mine ever since I heard it from like watching the older students at my dance studio dance to this song, um, Mine Air. It's quite early in the movie and in the show. It just, it just hits. It's so good. And I think it like really helps establish um, Sally Bowles like performance energy personality and like Mm -hmm. who she is as a performer um versus like who she is as a person so i love that song
see Corbin Blue do it the other day at Broadway Backwards? I did not see Corbin Blue do it the other day. I didn't even know that happened. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's on so YouTube. Funny. I just saw it yesterday. And <laughs> it's no Aaron Tveit who did it at uh, Miscast last year, but it's pretty good. Everyone's always like, wow, I forgot that Corbin like lives this and is in this world. He like Everyone seems to be shocked when he gives a great performance. There's, like, that low-key rumor that he's going to go into Little Shop next. But, like, what do we I think? Saw, what are our thoughts on this? I don't know. So, Matt Doyle just extended till July. Um, mm. Drew Galing is in it right now as the dentist, which I actually think is fantastic casting. Um, yeah. He should have replaced Christian Worrell immediately. And he was busy. Maude Apatow is still in it, but I don't think she's in mm. it for that much longer. I want to say, like, end of April. I think Corbin would be great in Little Shop. Yeah, it would be fun. But is he too I, handsome? But you know what? What can we do about it? What can we do every, about it? <laughs> Everyone that goes in is not ugly. <laughs> I know. It's kind of rude when people are like, oh, no, this is a good Seymour. Oh, you think he's ugly? Oh, you think he's ugly then? Is that what you're telling me? Oh, Gideon Glick, such a good Seymour. Oh, so you think he's ugly? Yeah. Please tell me. <laughs> what do we think about... Could, like, Wesley Taylor give us... No, Wesley Taylor's dentist. Never mind. He's a dentist. He's a dentist. Let's do it. He's back on Instagram. Let's get him back on Broadway. I'm ready. Or off-Broadway. Um, anything. Give him a project. I want to yeah. see him perform again. Yeah. He would be a great him. dentist. He's my next pick. <laughs> Post Drew Galing. Okay, yeah. Tara, what's your number one? Okay, my number one, also from Dreamgirls. This is truly my favorite song that was written for the movie. This is not in the musical, and it's Love You, I Do, um, sung by Jennifer Hudson in the movie. This was written by um, Henry Krager, who's the composer of the original Broadway play, so, like, it is written by the same team. Um Another one that I think fits perfectly into this pre-existing score. Um, Jennifer Hudson maybe sounds the best that she's ever sounded. And like, and I'm telling you exists, but there's something about this song. I, I just like love it so much. I don't know what it is. I think the instrumental is also really great. It's also her just like falling in love. It's Effie falling in love with Curtis for like the first time. And I don't even know, in my mind, I feel like that character has never even, like, felt love like that before. And that's why she can s- express it in such, like, this joyful way. Um, yeah, I I don't even care that it's not in the musical because it's, like, perfect to me. And I don't want to hear anybody else sing it, you know? This, I agree. This is my favorite song from the Dreamgirls movie. This song is a bop. Like, it's injected, so good. injected into my veins. It just, it's so happy. It makes yeah. me so happy. I remember, being, I remember being younger and just like having my little iPod Nano and like putting this song on repeat and just like in my bedroom, um, just dancing to it because it's so, so much fun. So yeah. much fun. It's so great. Um, I actually think, like, if we're talking, like, maybe one of the best movie musicals to exist, I think it might be Dreamgirls. It's mm. so well cut. I watched it again, like, kind of recently. Really? It's very 
It's very well done. Um, and again, like, I think a it? lot of that is due to that cast. This? I don't know. Why does my mind always go straight to Rob Marshall? I was going to say, is um, it Rob Marshall? It can't be. Is it Bill Condon? Is it Bill? I might be Bill I'm going to look. I will look. It is Bill Condon. It's Bill Condon. Okay. Yeah. Whenever I think it's Rob Marshall, but it's good, it's Bill Condon. Because. <laughs> yeah, but I would just like to read right now that on Wikipedia, Dreamgirls is next to Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1 and Part 2. Look, Bill Condon. He knows how to Range. direct a movie. He knows how to direct a movie. Um, I know that was his follow-up project. I was like, wait, one more two. Okay, no, this is a true tangent, but I, as a true Twilight number one stan, everyone yeah. knows this about me. You come to my house for a sleepover, we're watching Twilight. Like, it's great. Um, so I've seen this, spe- I have all five movies on DVD. I've seen the special features so many times. Bill Condon was so passionate about those movies he was so excited about them and it just made me love him it made me you know what him. i've been i feel like he brings that passion to like everything that he yes. does but, why does but the it's, name written beside chicago here i swear that was rob marshall yeah i thought that was rob marshall as well but you know oh, what? it's both of them directed by rob marshall screenplay by bill condon oh that's why this is the one good rob marshall movie because wow. <laughs> because bill condon wrote it chicago is great Chicago's great. We're going to talk about Chicago here for a hot sec, but Chicago is great. Um, so yeah, Bill Condon did sh- uh, direction and screenplay for Dreamgirls. You know what? Congrats, Bill Condon. Congrats Where's your next movie musical? Where we- you know what was bad, though? Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Bad. Um, Beauty and the Beast, yes. He wrote He wrote The Greatest Showman. Congrats to Bill Condon congrats, again. Congratulations to Bill Condon. <laughs> congratulations to Bill Condon. Um, <laughs> Sorry, we haven't even mentioned that like Anika Noni Rose was also in Dreamgirls. Yeah, she's great too. The she's other song too. that, um, just to like rant it out, because I'm pretty sure it's not in your like bottom no. favorites, but like no, no, Patience no. was also written for Dreamgirls, sung by Ed- Eddie Murphy and Anika um, Noni Rose. Amazing. Another, like it is truly like wild to me that these three songs that were written for this like pre-existing musical fit so perfectly into the movie as if it was there from the time that the the show was first written. So like, I I do think that Dreamgirls holds uh, its spot at the top for, and, and Cabaret too, because many of those songs were written post for the first viewing of the mm. musical. So the fact that like each of these had three great songs put into it, like amazing. No, absolutely. Yes, I... Yeah, part of me is like, well, Dreamgirls is kind of the exception, but uh, let me say, for me, both of those projects, the movie was my first exposure to it, so mm. I didn't know, like, I knew of Cabaret and I knew of the songs, but I'd never, I've never seen it on stage. I've never seen Dreamgirls on stage either. Like, the movie is my version of it, so it, like, works for me with, yeah. like, I don't know another version Whereas maybe, so maybe that's like my own bias, but I do agree that I think those songs really, No, that, really that's well. fair. Cause like I had seen Dreamgirls in theaters. I'd seen it like a few times before I saw it on stage in London. And I was actually a little bit worried about if the movie would be better to me than the musical, mm. because I love that movie so much. Musical was just as good. Amber Riley. <laughs> sure. Enough said. That was the first time I had been in a theater for a like mid-show standing ovation. I mm. never like heard a song like "And I'm Telling You" sung live before and like burst into tears immediately. It was just like a wow. very overwhelming emotional experience for literally everybody in that theater. I feel like everybody went <laughs> sure. through the journey, Effie's journey together. So, and I again, I think that the movie does such a great job of that storytelling as well. Okay, Time let's move on to our least favorites the Should bottom three if all you at will. once should we do them all at once i'm i'm thinking we have some overlaps here i'm thinking this is an overlap i mean the f- 
What do you mean all at once? Like we both just reveal three, two, one, number three? No, no, no. I mean like I say my three and you say your three. Oh, and then we talk about them? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, there's a clear, I, there's a clear worst song ever written for me. So I hope we have the same one. Um, it's possible, but maybe not. Um, so the three I have, I think are very basic. I think they're very clear. Um, I think you could predict, but in no particular order, my... <laughs> oh, I have an order. <laughs> you have an order? Okay. In no particular order, I will go with my bottom three songs ever written, original songs written for movie musicals. And that would be... The anonymous ones from Jeremy Hansen. We have the exact same list. <laughs> we, that would be Suddenly from Les Miserables. And that would be Beautiful Ghosts from Cats. And that's and that's what I'm talking about. And that's but what I'm talking about right there. In my mind, there's a clear winner here for the worst song ever written. And Is it Beautiful it's Ghosts? Suddenly. Oh, it's Suddenly. Well, I, I, was, I would say Beautiful Ghosts. I would say Beautiful Ghosts. And on this, the day after Taylor's <laughs> first Night of the Eras tour, for me to besmirch Beautiful Ghosts like this. How, how dare I? Where was Beautiful Ghost? Where was the Cats era in her, in her concert? Imagine <laughs> you know she just came up. <laughs> you know, she's going to do a new song acoustic every night. It's going to be Beautiful Ghost. I hope she comes to Toronto and I hope that night is Beautiful Ghost. I hope it is. No, you don't. Anyway. What a waste of an acoustic <laughs> song. I would scream. She does 43 other songs. I would scream if she did Beautiful Ghost. I don't know if I'd recognize it, but I would um, scream. Okay, let's talk about some of these. Let's start with the anonymous ones, Dear Evan Hansen. So there was two original songs written for the Dear Evan Hansen movie. It was mm-hmm. the anonymous ones, and then the second one that was written... Oh a Little God, Closer. Is it called A Little Closer? It's called okay. A Little Closer. So A Little Closer, I think, is actually pretty but i think the reason that it's pretty is because it's sung by colton ryan otherwise i don't think i care about the song at all i just love colton and think he sounds really pretty on this song um i the way that it's presented in the movie i mean we've talked about this movie before i don't really care for the change of the ending i don't really care for a lot of what happens in that movie um i do like that connor gets like one more song but i don't know that they had to disappear for they cut disappear so I would rather he sing Disappear. I also agree with that. And I also think that, again, this is just like a pretty song. I don't know that it necessarily like fits in the roster of the rest of the music. And well, yeah, that's where interesting Anonymous because Ones leads us. Well, yeah, it's an interesting moment because all of these other songs in Dear Evan Hansen are like, people aren't aware that they're singing them. You know what I mean? Like, yes. they're part of the music. Whereas a little closer, it's like he played this in... I don't know, whatever facility he was in. And there was like a video of it that was released, which is like, I don't know. So people are aware of the song. Just like thinking about this now, like why we never get an inkling that Connor was even interested in music at all. So like, this is so like left field of a ending choice. It is really random. Anyway, back to the anonymous ones. And again, as I said at the beginning of this episode, written by Pasek and Paul, who like, And, and who? Amanda Stenberg. Oh, right. Co-wrote um, it with them. But a few years prior to this, like, gave us the Greatest Showman score, right. which, in my opinion, is, I mean, there's a couple, like, whatever, but, like, flawless. It is a flawless movie musical it, score. It it suits the project. It suits the style of music for the project. Like, it is. It's also one of the best things they've written, though. Yes, probably. Smash aside. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's hard to rank Pascal and Paul because I do love them, and yet I don't know if they've had their, like, wow thing yet. Um, so oh, I, I think like waving through a window is probably a wow, probably the closest. For them. But yeah, yeah, I'm still even like, like you will be found. Probably a wow for them. Yeah, I'm just. I guess I'm just waiting for like a whole project overall from them that's like feels uniquely like 
them as opposed to this like I like them but this like kind of generic pop style that they know mostly mm-hmm, sit in mm-hmm. you know what I mean I'm waiting yeah. for something wow and maybe my closest is actually dogfight um which was at the beginning Truly. of their career Wow, should we be doing bum, a composer bum, series on them? Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, it might be hard. But yes, I, I would think that would be interesting to talk about them. But to talk about the anonymous ones, I know what they were going for. They were trying to make the character of Alana have more to do. But this also is the scene when we kind of try to diagnose Evan, and I mm. don't care for it. I also just think the song is meh. All of us anonymous. Secrets that we think we have to hide But what we really need is somebody to see that secret side And to know we're somehow not alone Is all we're hoping for And that we wouldn't have to be anonymous anymore That's actually truly the problem is that it left absolutely zero impression Not even a bad impression, it left no impression It Mm -hmm. left nothing in your brain from this song um, yeah, I don't know if we needed more depth from Alana, um, to be honest. It's when she's, like, talking about how she also has anxiety and, like, she's taking mm-hmm. medication. And I was like, you know, girl, feel for you, but also I don't, like, why are we diagnosing him? I don't want to diagnose him. That's the whole, like, mm-hmm. beauty of the show. Yes, I want I want to be able to, like, I don't know. For Yeah, for Evan, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I, I think, I mean, and I think this is maybe one of the, like, symptoms of the many things that don't work about the Dear Evan Hansen movie. Like, I can't point directly to this, but it is just, it is just, like, another piece in the, like, but this is also not fitting together. Like, exactly what you were saying at the beginning of this episode. Like, those two songs were written for original song nominations that they did not get. They didn't but that's get. the only reason that they were done. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then they, like, cut all these other songs. And I'm like, but... Those are why? Great. Where is good good for you? you? Where is disappear? <laughs> Where is anybody have a map? Anybody Horrible. have a map? I know why they cut anybody have a map because Julianne. Moore that song is sing, actually. That's fine. If we're gonna talk about like bangers of Dear Evan Hansen, anybody have a map? Anybody have a map? Anybody needs to happen to know how to? Did they do? Did they sing to break in a glove? <laughs> why am I like jamming to anybody have a map? Did they sing to break in a glove or did they cut? That? No, but I'm remember. fine with that being cut. That's, that I don't think so. I'm trying to think who the dad oh, was. Also. And- I'm on the Wiki- Wikipedia, and there was an anonymous ones reprise. Did we know about that? No. And if we did, I blocked Dang. it from my memory. Dang! Wow, why would they do that? Oh, okay, let's move on. A little closer and a little closer reprise. Wow. A little um, closer okay. reprise. I feel like plays in the credits for some reason. Yeah, 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 I think you're right. I think you're right. It's right at the end. It's right at the end of the movie. Okay, like let's move on moment. to Beautiful Ghosts, written by Taylor Swift. Not even written by the Lord. So, like, he just let her do whatever she wanted, and she came back with usually. I never knew I'd love this world they let me into. And the memories were lost long ago. So I'll dance with these beautiful ghosts. Usually that works out. Usually letting Taylor go nuts is a good is a good thing to do. Oh wait, I sorry. Really... He did she wrote the lyrics and music and he like oversaw the music. But you know okay. what? He probably was like, it's Taylor Swift. Whatever. Yeah. And again, usually this is good. This time 
I don't know. Horrible. I don't know. Horrible. Uh, it's just... <laughs> Her being in the movie in general, horrible. The entire movie, horrible. Like, what were we doing here? Skimbleshank's a she really good she, You know, but she did get nominated for the Globe, didn't she? Did she? She's never been nominated for an Oscar, I don't think. So She got nominated for the Golden Globe for Best Original Song. Yeah. And Globes, horrible. Why did you do that? <laughs> because the Globes love to have stars in the audience. I... She's never. She hasn't been nominated for the Oscar, but she has been nominated for multiple Globes. She was nominated um, this year. No, was she nominated this year for a Globe? I swear she was. I'm. I'm on her. Oh, I just go to her end of the Wikipedia page. Let's go to her oh, yeah. accolades here. Wait, accolades. Golden Globe for. Oh, she was nominated for that. Like, remember that James Corden movie where it was like, I think it was called One Chance. Do you remember this? No. Um, I, it's not even ringing a that. single bell. Sweeter Than Fiction was the song nominated for one chance film soundtrack in 2013. And wasn't she nominated for The Hunger Games? That song's great. Love that song. Safe and Sound? A recent great. re-release. A, a recent great. re-release. That's a Toast great song. Was power. Toast was power bringing together the Civil Wars. Um, <laughs> so Golden Globe. I swear she was nominated. Th- oh, sorry. All Too Well was nominated this year. Oh, in the short film, in the short film category. Right, right, right. Yes, yes. Yeah, never Which an Oscar also, for Taylor. And all too well should not be nominated for an Oscar. Well, um, I, I do wonder, like, are music videos short films? But then all of them should be considered. Right, that's my question. And I mean, you do have to submit yourself, but it is my question. Can you win for a Grammy for music videos? Yeah, I think she did so win then a Grammy it for, should be for a music video. S- you stick to the Grammys, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I'm just not quite sure what the, like, category is. Like, what the requirements are for the categories. Yeah, yeah I agree. and why, why, why some music videos can be um, nominated for short film and why some aren't. Yeah. Um, I have nothing but, good to say about this song. I no, listen to it And it plays, like, multiple times. It plays multiple oh, times. Oh, I know. That. It becomes, like, the theme of the movie. They used it in the trailers. She was nominated for the song Carolina for Where the Crawdads Sing. Oh, the you're right. I, yeah. There we, okay. there we are. Yeah. Okay. Um, horrible song. I will never listen to it again. Not Carolina. Um, Beautiful Girls. <laughs> Yo, and <laughs> I, I have like a friend from high school who is obsessed with Taylor Swift. Um, we follow him on Instagram. He's a yeah. listener. Um, obsessed with Taylor Swift. And I know that he bought the Cat soundtrack. For this? He is a completist. He is a completist. You know what? Respect that. But hopefully he knows that it's bad. I do believe he said he's not sure if he'd ever open it. That's fine. But he's a completist. It's better that way. And that's, you know, what you have to do. And Um, then to to round us out here, which I think is the worst song ever written. But this one was nominated for an Oscar. And that's Suddenly from Les Mis. Suddenly the world seems a different place. Somehow full of grace, full of light. How was I to know that so much hope was held inside me? What is past is gone. Now we journey on through the night. Yes. I could say many things about the Lamez movie, and to me, the worst part of it was Hugh Jackman and then we get this horrible song that he sings as a solo I'm like what are we doing guys suddenly is so bad 
It this is this is one for me that feels so out of place. Well, he's like, just like in a horse and carriage singing yes, this he's song. Got, it was I remember correctly. I remember an interview with Hugh Jackman. I remember he was saying this was meant to capture the moment where he decided to like be a father to Cosette. It says right here, it says, when reading the book in preparation for the film, Tom Hooper realized that one major thing missing was an acknowledgement of the importance of Cosette's love to Valjean, as well as his accepting of fatherhood. No, it wasn't. That wasn't missing from <laughs> Les Mis. Sorry, not missing. <laughs> yeah, I was actually good. Um, so <laughs> yes, I, for me, for me, this one... Like, and maybe it's because I knew the Les Mis soundtrack before, but as I was watching this, as this, like the music started, I was like, this is, this is not right. This does not sound right. It does not sound right. And so it is the same people like that did the musical. It's Claude Michael Schoenberg. mm -hmm. And I just, but with like 30 years of distance, you know, you're not in the same mindset. Musical styles are not the same. So it's never going to sound like you wrote it as a piece with all the other songs. But they did what they needed to do. They got an Oscar nomination. You know what? They did. They did. But who won that year? That's a good quest. I'm going to look it up. It's the the 85th Academy Awards and best original song went to Ted. (laughs) The movie Ted? Yeah. With Seth MacFarlane and like Mila Kunis? That's a lie. It did not go to Ted. (laughs) Um, It went to Skyfall, Adele. Oh, okay, that's fine. That's actually acceptable. <laughs> Skyfall. Yeah. Um, what else fine. was in here was um, Before My Time from Chasing Ice. I've never heard of that movie. Um, Is that like a Al Gore Oh. Movie? Am I making that up? Click on it. Click on it. Um, let me open a new tab because I don't want to lose my place. It is not Al Gore. That's the inconvenient like truth. A- is but it, it is like a docu. Yes, it's um, Chasing Ice is, is like a 2012 a documentary film uh, in the efforts of nature photographer James Balog and his extreme ice survey Who to publicize the, the effects sang, of climate change. Who sang the song? Written by Jay Ralph. Okay. Who sang it? Josh Ralph. Okay. Um, no, we don't know. I don't what know. What other who songs this were nominated? Is. List the whole, list all the nominees. Um, then it was what I thought was winning for some reason. Everybody needs a best friend from Ted. Music by Walter Murphy. Lyrics by Seth MacFarlane. I believe performed by Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, yeah. Um, Pie's Lullaby from Life of Pi. Sure. Um, and then suddenly from Les Mis. What a bad year. Also, oh my God, yeah. Les Mis won sound mixing, and that Ooh. is a mistake. I know they, they sang live. I know they sang they live. They were really obsessed with the live singing. They were really obsessed with the live singing. But the they live really singing also gave us, like, not great performances from Amanda Seyfried, Eddie, Eddie so, Redmayne, and Hugh Jackman. I remember when I watched this movie, right? I saw the movie in theaters. I saw it twice, I think, in the same week. Same. Emotionally wrecked me. Sobbing. Oh, sure. Sobbing. But, but I then also when I went back to it was bad. At the time, I didn't. Now I know. But at the time, I was, like, I was in... And then I went to listen to the soundtrack like a few days later, and you're like, "Oh no!" But like, <laughs> that's Russell Crowe. <laughs> Honestly, Russell Crowe was not the one. It was Hugh Jackman who was really like Ugh. Hugh. Hugh has never sounded worse. He it was a little high for him. I thought those songs were a bit high. It just um, like yeah, it didn't fit well in his range. I don't think most things fit well in his range. But I maybe the Greatest Showman was perfect. The Greatest Showman was perfect for his range. Yeah, sorry, um, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Speak on it. Speak on him. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's the thing. Like, when you're watching, even when you're watching a musical, like, on stage, 
people's voices don't have to be perfect because they're performing. When you're listening to a recording... It's so bad. You you want it to be perfect. You want it to be perfect. But I also, maybe like a week after, I did listen to like the finale on my like, again, my iPod Touch. We're back to her. My favorite, my best friend. I had a pink one, then I lost the pink one, and then I had a green one. Um, but I was listening to the final song in my bed at like one in the morning. Crying. Amanda Seyfried is warbling. I am crying the hardest I've ever cried in my life. I am sobbing. I am full like, <laughs> like a devastation. That Oscar performance is good. Um, they called on like Ramin to come in because he was doing it in the West End at the time. Like obviously yeah, Aaron yeah. Tveit was per- was in the Oscar perform and the movie. Aaron mm-hmm. probably Aaron and Samantha Barks like saved the vocals of the movie. <laughs> I before the movie started, I remember seeing it in theaters and I'm like, Mom. Aaron Tveit is in this movie and he's gonna be the best one. You have he to watch him. He was the best him. one. She's like, "Who's that?" And I'm like, "Well, you'll see." And then after the movie, I was like, "That guy in the red coat, who was he?" And I was like, "I told you, I told you about this." Bad wig though. Bad wig. Well, whatever. It's the giving. other star of that movie was the kid who played. Um, oh yeah, what is it? Daniel. Daniel something. And then he was in the Into the Woods movie, which he wasn't tragic, in the Woods but like he was so good in the Les Mis movie. What is he doing now? Eddie Redmayne, also bad. Sorry, Eddie. Eddie, Eddie, you know, it was, he, Eddie was Eddie. <laughs> he, he, he has a Kermit the Frog vocal. We've spoken about Eddie singing recently. We've spoken about so much of Eddie singing recently. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. No, the performance that he's giving on the Cabaret cast recording is everything to me. <laughs> it's so unhinged in the best it way possible hinged. that, like, if hinged. Eddie doesn't transfer to Broadway, if the show ever transfers, I'd be, like, devastated. Um... I know, I know, I know, I know. I I, need I do to see love Jesse Buckley, but I would be more committed to seeing Eddie than Jesse Buckley. It's unhinged. Um, it's chaos. <laughs> he should have been giving beautiful. that for Marius. <laughs> I don't know if he had it in him then. You know, you as you get older, you become more deranged. I think. Yeah. Um, it's it's true with me. So I think it's because <laughs> I think it's been true with Eddie as well. Like. He couldn't give that performance when he went 10 years ago when they were making Lemons, no. but he could give it now. But also, he like, Marius is a totally different No, 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 character. very different. Very um, different. But his empty chairs, uh, we're all, like, to, just to go more into the, like, Lemons movie, the, like, angle it was on the whole time. Like, <laughs> he's just sitting, there are empty chairs and empty chairs around him. I think I talked about this when I talked about Daisy Jones and the Six, but Sam Claflin did talk about yeah, auditioning you said. for this. And he said he was in like the waiting room to go in and he heard them offer Eddie Redmayne the job while he was like waiting to go in for. Was he, was Sam Claflin like part of that like British gang, like with Andrew Garfield and I Robert, think no, was so. it Robert Pattinson? Ro- no, Robert Pattinson, yes. Um, Someone else was in that gang of guys. Andrew Garfield. They all like live together. Okay, so there's like kind of like two age groups, like the James Corden, Jamie no, Dornan. No, not them. Oh, Jamie Dornan um, was one of them. Dominic. Oh, yeah, maybe. Jamie Dornan was on like a show recently where he was talking about how he would paint pottery and him and Eddie Redmayne would go paint pottery together all the time. <laughs> and so Eddie Redmayne oh, sent him a picture of him one. painting pottery. Maybe, maybe them. Yeah, you know, I think it's Eddie Redmayne. Here, it's Jamie Dornan, Eddie Redmayne, Robert Pattinson, Andrew Garfield. Tom um, Sturridge. And like, who's the guy that plays Daredevil, the new Daredevil? Oh, him too. Matt Murdock's the character. Charlie. Yeah. There's an amazing picture of Jamie Dornan and Andrew Garfield that like, they just look like frat bros and I'm obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Knowing that Andrew Garfield has the range, maybe he could have been Marius. Uh, what was he doing at the time? What was he doing in 2012? Spider-Man? Spider-Man. Spider-Man is what he better. was doing at the time. Worse, but better. <laughs> 
I love those Spider-Man movies. I, so. I am obsessed. I've seen them many, many times. CTV okay. always plays <laughs> those Spider-Man. Some, some other songs to just like discuss. Grease. Grease has two iconic ones. I can't believe neither of us talked about it, but um, you're the one that I want and Hopelessly Devoted to you, both written for the movie. That's iconic. Crazy. Hopelessly that Devoted iconic. was maybe like number four on my list mm. of like top if we were going to do it, but I also just like don't love Grease. Grease is fine, but I think for pure iconicness, those two songs no, probably truly iconic. anything we talked about today. And like, also, both of them added to the musical immediately mm-hmm. after. So, Hope, Hopelessly Devoted to You was nominated for an Oscar, but it lost to Last Dance by Donna Summer. Last um, Dance. Wow, Summer. There, there's, a, there's a new song in Chicago called I Move On. It was also yeah. Oscar nominated, but it lost to Lose Yourself, which again, correct. Correct. <laughs> correct. Um, there's a new song in The Producers, Bye Bye Birdie. I Have Confidence in the Sound of Music was written for the movie. You know yeah, that? I, I saw not. that. Yeah. Um, there's a song in Evita. So ALW, very guilty of this. Um, and back to ALW, Phantom of the Opera, the song Learn to Be Lonely. That was a credit um, song, right? Possibly. I don't it's know. It's been a honestly. minute since I've seen that Phantom of the Opera. As well. It was Oscar nominated and back to Beyonce was performed at the ceremony by Beyonce. Why? Uh, don't ask me. Do not ask me. <laughs> It just was. This is what Beyonce was being seen. You know. Also, I mean? back like, to Dreamgirls for a second. Didn't they lose out on all three of those songs? Yes. So that was the thing. I think they it ended up splitting the vote. They submitted. So now I think movies are much more strategic about what they submit. Sometimes to their detriment. Like for example, Coco last mm. year they submitted. Not last they picked year. one more song. than last, was year. It last year. No, it's it been last. a f- it's been a few years since. Honestly, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know. Um, not Coco. I'm not thinking of Coco. Encanto. Oh, Encanto. Yeah, I was like, I'm thinking of Encanto. Sorry. That's a little bit, that's a little bit microaggression of me. Encanto. (laughs) Encanto. They only submitted one song. Was it, we Um, we don't talk about Bruno? No, they submitted Dos Oreguitas. Oh, right. They should have submitted, but they didn't know how viral We Don't Talk About Bruno would have gone. No one, no one did. So they picked one song to try and like narrow their chances, but it ended up like working against them because it wasn't the song. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, I'm, and then there's also end credit songs, or is there other? There no, other I, I wanted to look up who won um, best original song the year How of Dreamgirls, like a random documentary, which was was that one an inconvenient truth? Yes, it was the Al Gore. <laughs> I knew I'd seen an inconvenient truth somewhere today. It was <laughs> I need to wake up by Melissa Etheridge. <laughs> Melissa Etheridge, which you is know, love her. giving the same vibe as Diane Warren. So you know, <laughs> look, Diane Warren. We need to give Diane Warren an Oscar just so she will stop trying. She, she got day. an honorary Oscar this year. It, that's not enough. That's not enough. Well, not enough. the song that she did this year was also no, terrible. This, this year was bad. This year was bad. Um, yeah, let's talk about end credit, credit songs. songs. Well, there's a clear songs. winner for me, and it is truly the best end credit song ever written for a movie musical, and it's come so far from Hairspray. Every version is iconic. Like Queen Latifah and um, Nikki Blonsky, Zac Efron, James Marsden, Michelle Pfeiffer, all of them singing it. But then I also love the Hairspray Live version with Ariana Grande and Jennifer Hudson singing it. Like it's so mm-hmm. much fun. Another one that fits perfectly into the Hairspray like canon of music. 
Shaman and Whitman are successful at writing songs for pre-existing music years later for themselves. I think it's because they are just, they stick to that 50s, 60s genre. They do not really leave that 50s, 60s genre. Well, it just suits like, them. It's good. Think, but everything they do is in that. So they no, never, they're never out right. of the zone. And just thinking never of out them, of the zone. like for this year, like Let's Be Bad fitting into Some Like It Hot, that song was already written. And then they wrote an entirely new score for Some Like It Hot. And it like everything fits. It's the same 50s, 60s They know what they're genre. good at and they stick to it. You know, Hairspray. Good for them. Catch Me If You Can. Did you hear about Catch Me If You Can that he was actually lying about the whole thing? Hmm? He was scamming being a scam artist. Oh, I know. This? Yes. <laughs> I did hear that's about the, this. That's the biggest scam of all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Some like it hot. Like they all fit into that same genre of music. And so they're kind of, they're always, they're not progressing as much, which is good in some ways. And then also a little bit boring in other ways, but. Yeah. Um, another end credit song, terrible. The Prom. Wear your crown. Wear your crown. Horrible. Um, and yeah. I think with that, that's our list. But also, like, is there a new movie musical coming up this year? I don't think so. Yeah, we had such a plethora. And now we're in a dearth. I know there's, like, always so many, like, oh, that's a lie. Mean Girls is coming soon. But I don't right. think they're adding any songs to that. But I do think Mean Girls is, is it this year? I want to say it's early 2020. It's probably going to be 2024. Four. But like January 24. Oh, really? 2024 is also allegedly giving Wicked. us Wicked Part 1. So we will get maybe a new song there, too. We'll get some new, apparently three. Three per movie is what I've heard. Oh, three per movie? I thought it was three total. I've heard three per movie. Steven. <laughs> <laughs> but what do I know? I actually know nothing. I don't, I, I'm honestly, like, still skeptical these exist. I think they're spending millions of dollars and then we're never going to see them. But that's okay. They released like the a- font this week and it's vi- someone was like, it's giving Haunted Mansion. I'm like, you know what? You're right. It is. It's giving Haunted Mansion. It is giving Haunted Mansion. It's very like gothic. Um, I don't know. I'll believe it when I see it. We were just saying like before we started recording, like we haven't seen anything. We've only like seen John Chu tweet every other day. But yeah. like that's and they're it. So, they're so secretive about it still. Yeah. Like, it's wild. I so obviously I listened to Bowen Yang on his podcast and he like cannot does not talk about it like they, they the had NDAs they must have signed the, the NDAs um he had a guest on I can't remember who now but they were talking about auditioning for the Wicked movie Matt his co-host and his, the guest were both talking about how they auditioned for the Wicked movie and oh, wow. Bowen is not saying anything like and I'm like, we know you auditioned too, but he is just like so tight-lipped about it. But like, it's, so it's been announced that he's in it. Yes, but I think I think they're like probably all stressed. He went on Instagram Live and people were asking him questions. He's like, I can't say anything. I can't say anything. I can't say no, anything. No, and even like the photos that like Ariana Grande puts up on Instagram are like half her face. Like we're not seeing anything. We know she's blonde, even though we've said on previous episodes, like she's obviously going to wear a wig, wig. So I don't know why she's blonde for real. Um, she just wants to get into the mindset of a blonde. Yeah. It just seems like they're, it's a very like intense shooting schedule. Actually, on day of episode record, which is March 18th, John Chu ch- tweeted this morning being like, we're halfway through. So Halfway through movie one or halfway through the entire process? Halfway through, whatever that means. I just don't believe it because they only started in December. So I don't I believe it. I thought they you. started in September. Maybe they started filming in December, but they probably started rehearsals earlier. I don't know. I... Like, all this to say, I'm going to hate those mo- these movies when they come out. It is interesting. Yeah, I don't know what the vibe is. I do know that 
one of my favorites, Christopher Scott, is doing the choreography, a frequent like collaborator with John Chu. And I love Christopher Scott. He did In the Heights as well. But I don't know if he is quite the vibe, is the energy that I'm, just I'm looking for for Wicked. This is also one of those cases that like, I have such a attachment to Wicked sure. as a project that like, if it's not exactly how I want it to be, I'm going to be disappointed. And it's not going to be exactly how I want it to no, be. No, no, so it I'm already going to be disappointed. I just, I just, I can't even picture how they're going to make her fly. I know. I know. cannot even picture it. But maybe we'll have to do another one of these episodes when those six potential songs comes out. We'll oh, rank those. Doing... We'll rank top and bottom of the six songs. Yes. We're going to do an episode on part one. And then when the second movie comes out, we're doing an episode on part two. Because... Wow, the faith that you have that this podcast will last till 2025. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it will. We'll still be we'll here. We'll be here. We'll be here. We have to be here. That will actually be our final episode. We no, will... no. <laughs> it will we'll be like December two. 2025. Imagine. What a way to go out. <laughs> what a way to go out. We would have been doing it for almost six years seven years anyway we'll be time. we'll be continuing can't wait we're not we're, there, there's no end date to this podcast no at date. this time there's no end date um TBD. so yeah uh, can't wait that's our thoughts on um original songs written for movie musicals um as we said at the beginning of this episode really not a big list to choose from here there's like maybe 20 mm-hmm. songs max so um it was a little bit harder i actually think it's funny that we had the exact same um bottom list because they're truly, horrible they're awful songs they're so bad. Yeah. They're so bad. Um, yeah, yeah. There was no other songs I could pick for no, the bottom. It's true. Um, and with that being said, it is now time for our obsession of the week. Okay, Steph. Okay, so I'm going to go first. And my um, obsession of the week is actually the marketing campaign for Shucked the Musical. Oh the my way God. This is they- very topical. It is, quite it is quite topical. There's a lot going on on Twitter too. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Um, I think the way that Shucked the Musical is marketing their movie, their movie, their musical, their <laughs> stage, their Broadway show is going to, maybe this is hyper, hyper, like a hyperbole right now, but is going to change the way theater marketing happens. I don't agree they, with you. I you don't agree? It's very specific to this kind of a show. We are not going to see like Sweeney Todd do this. Okay. Maybe not. But it is, it is kind of specific to the show, but what I think is, so the best way that we know to advertise a show is honestly word of mouth, right? Mm-hmm. But the hard part about it is actually getting people into seats in the first place to get that word of mouth started. And so Shuck is like, you know what? Let's get a bunch of people in the seats because we know that our product is strong. We know that our show is good. We just need to get people to see it and then they will do the work for us. So they've been inviting influencers. They've been inviting press. They've been inviting everyone. They have good social media presence. And I love that they are really like trying to become the people's show. And everything about it looks so fun. Like everything about the marketing campaign just makes me like happy. It makes me want to go. It makes me want to have a party. I think they're- I got shocked buttons. Amazing. Amazing. You know, I love a pin. You know, I love a pin. <laughs> love. Like every person who goes, I'm like, I'm so jealous. I want to be at Shucked. And I also think they've advertised it. It also reminds me like a little bit of the log line for um, the band's visit where they're like, it's a show about nothing. This is like, it's a show about corn. They're very specifically telling you, this is a show. It's literally just about corn. Two completely different shows. Two very completely different, shows. different marketing campaigns. <laughs> but the log lines are like, it's literally just about corn. Don't come in expecting anything else. It's about corn. It's about corn. It's just about corn. Um, I'd actually like to talk about the influencer for a second because sure. there's a lot of like 
hate for some reason right now around theater yeah. influencers. And like, are we theater influencers? No. no. But we're also like not not adjacent. theater influencers. We're adjacent. Yeah. Like we don't post reviews. I mean, we do post reviews online. Like, welcome to the episode. But like, we don't post like TikTok reviews. We don't post like one minute videos. We do post some stuff on our TikTok and some stuff on our Instagram pages. But like... What's wrong with a musical theater influencer and why is everyone hating right now? Is like to me the fact that like people are inviting, as you were saying, like Shuck is inviting influencers into their seats. Every show invites critics into their seats. Why is this now suddenly like a bad thing that like as soon as a younger population is getting invited to places, it's like no longer acceptable? Yes, like they're used to people are used to a certain like gate kept community of of people being invited to see shows, review shows, influence like have influence on the shows that we should see but this and they're not the first show to do this but I think they're just the first show to be like so like open about it or to be so obvious I don't know it just seems to be like overwhelmingly about this show um to kind of open up the like to cast such a wider net onto who they're inviting into their space um, in the first place, a more diverse I, group of people they're inviting in, mm-hmm. um, in terms of race, in terms of age, um, and it's reflected as what what's on stage. So I think, like, I think it's good to have more people's opinions because, you know, you can still read the people you always read, but now you have someone else and you can compare them and you can say, who yeah. am I more similar to? Who, who well, whose taste aligns with mine? This kind of all started because yesterday a tweet went out. I'm not going to say the person's name because I think they're already getting a lot of hate online and we don't need to add to that. But it says, I'm worried that at Shock Musical has contracted independent musical theater digital influencers to do grassroots marketing for them and I don't like it. Explain more. Why don't you like it? And again, as you were saying this, it made me think of, this was a few years now, but when um, Be More Chill did a West End run, they went specifically Mm -hmm. to YouTubers and contracted them to be vloggers for that show, which makes 100% perfect sense because it was a digital show and they were trying Mm -hmm. to get a social media presence. So who are we going to go to? Our theater YouTubers who had a decently big following. And for the time being, it really did help their show. I can think of the same thing for like, the West End does this a lot. They had a couple people do it for six. They had a couple people do it for um, Heather's recently because it's like, why not capitalize on people to get that demographic into your audiences? Like, I I just really, and this goes for like non theater influencers too, but like people mm-hmm. look down on the influencer and I'm like, they're doing the real work here. Like it's. It's, it's just a newer form of marketing. Like, if you wouldn't look down... I actually don't think any of the people that they've invited to, like, preview performances or rehearsal footage have been paid. I think they've been just yeah, invited. I don't, I, I, I don't know, but I don't think they've been paid. Um, but what is the difference between paying someone to do a sponsored post versus making your own post and sponsoring it, promoting it, pushing it to the top of... An Instagram algorithm. As far I don't as I know, yeah, I agree. And as far as I know, like the the payment is tickets. Like that's what the payment. Yeah, that's is. what I'm saying. Like I don't think they've been. I think they've been invited, but I don't think they're receiving funds in exchange for this. And you know, that's the. It's not this. It's not the same. But we we've talked about it. We recently went to Rock of Ages Media Night. Right. We were like invited. The tickets were free of cost for us, but. No one told us what we had to say. No. Like, we could come on here and say anything. And we did. Uh, like, no like no one, like, 
for the most part, no one is telling you what to because, say. Because when you know money what? is exchanging hands, there's no. a little bit more control. But I don't even no one so. tells us what to say. You know why? Press is press, good or bad. The name gets out there. But yeah, like you. So there's a difference between like press and marketing, right? Press money never exchanges hands, and marketing money does exchange hands, right? And those are just different things. But like um, good reviews, bad reviews. If I'm talking about your show, it's gonna entice someone to see it, whether I liked it or not. Sure. Yeah, it might make it more Sometimes more I see things and hear that something is horrible. I'm like, got to see it for myself. Like, bad Cinderella? Why aren't you paying influencers or giving <laughs> giving them tickets? They need to be inviting people. Maybe they're worried about the word of mouth on And bad I Cinderella. will say their Twitter campaign right now, really good. Another show that did it really well. Diana, it got great word of mouth for maybe the wrong reasons, but it got people yes. in their seats. I think Diana, like, turned it around too late. I think Diana didn't realize what they had until it was, like, almost too late for them. And not to put Shucked in the same category as Bad Cinderella and Diana, because, like, right. I do think it's probably a far better show with a better book what we've and heard, score. From what we've and heard, it's, it's wonderful. Everything, although, like... Diana is queen to me, so that's fine. <laughs> but I just am, like, tired of people, like, putting down the influencer because, like, it's a generational thing. Like, get over it. It's Sorry. just a new form of marketing. It is like, you were invited as a critic to the same show as me being invited as an influencer to the show. You know what I mean? Like, we are the same. It doesn't matter. But, yeah, it's a little bit frustrating to watch, to to see people say that. But I also think it's just, it's working great. It's made me want to see Shocked. Like, as soon as I can. I don't know when I will, but, like, it has pushed Shucked to the top of my list. Wow. See, what, like, somewhat at the top of my list of things <laughs> to see. Um, and also the so, people that are going dressed as corn, love you. That's fun. I love that. <laughs> I love it. It's good. Okay, it's moving on. Tara, what's your session this week? Okay, this is musical theater adjacent. It's also very topical because it's currently happening right now. But, like, how could I not talk about what's happening at the Marriott Marquis Theater currently? And that <laughs> is the Jonas Brothers Broadway residency. If you've ever thought of two things happening at the same time that are in my world, it's this. Um, <laughs> I am devastated that I'm not in New York to see their run on Broadway, although I did see Nick Jonas and How to Succeed on Broadway, so I have seen a brother on Broadway. Anyway, this is not the true obsession of the week, but I will say, if anyone has an extra playbill, like, send it my way, because I, like, <laughs> need it from any of the nights. Um, they are selling the full set for $90 on Playbill, but I just can't spend $90 That's actually on... not that bad when you no, think about it. No, but they all $90. say the same thing inside, and I can oh, Photoshop just different covers. them myself. <laughs> It's just different covers. That's kind of annoying. It's just the different album covers. Yeah. So um, I did see, though, did you see on uh, Tim's TikTok that he made them wooden ticket stubs because they were opening Aww, on Broadway? So that's he cute. also I didn't see, I didn't see like, treated it the it, same it, as it, it was like an it opening counts. night. Yeah. It is the same. Um, but my obsession of the week, and I know it's something that you love too, because I also feel like this specific performance is kind of musical theater adjacent. As you know, in 2020, when did we see Jonas Brothers? 2019? Yeah, 2019. In 2019, I feel like Jealous by Nick Jonas became Jealous by Joe Jonas. And I will always stand by that, that Jealous is now Joe's song. But we were given an amazing version of Jealous. And I'm talking about the gospel version of Jealous. Oh, God, the gospel version of Jealous. My obsession of the week. Um, I do think it's like kind of musical theater adjacent because I think that like gospel music is, there's like a theatrical element to sure, it sure and, sure and specifically this performance is like incredibly theatrical um i've watched that video so many times you and i have watched that video i love so many times i love i one point i had like ripped it from youtube and put it on well oh, back I to the ipod it. nano we're back to the ipod <laughs> nano 
<laughs> but it has like 33 million views on YouTube. And I swear I'm like 3 million of those 33 million views. <laughs> it's so good. The, everyone singing in it sounds good. They obviously don't say hellish because it's a gospel like version. They also don't it's say like, sexy. They no, don't say sexy either. They say like it's, it's my very religious. right to be. Oh my God. What do they say? It's my, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but He says crazy beautiful instead of sexy yeah, beautiful. Yeah, you're too crazy I beautiful. Funny. I think they say it's my right. I can't help it. I still get jealous. You're probably right. You're probably right. The clean version of jealous. The clean version. <laughs> clean. If no one's ever listened Cutting to it. Cutting the word it, sexy and hellish. <laughs> if no one's ever listened to it, like, here you go for audio listeners. But, like, watch the video as well. It's, like, one of Nick's best performances. And sometimes I think he's, like, truly so annoying and I, like, cannot stand him. But his voice really suits like R&B tones. Um, I don't know. I love this version of the song. I could listen to it daily. So it's like a joint obsession of like the Jonas Brothers on Broadway right now and also jealous gospel version. They do a, they're not going to do a residency in Toronto, but like I would be there if it happened. No. They really said they're announcing the answer, a tour, but the answer I think is that we need to go to Vegas because I think those shows are probably really fun. I'm sure, but how expensive? Everything's expensive. I now, know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> These tickets were expensive. My brother like looked the other day because he's in New York, and it's it was like six hundred dollars to go see. Happiness begins, and we paid a lot when we saw it in 2019. We paid like 220, I think, to see them. Yeah, on the floor. Yeah, we paid less the second time we saw it, if I recall. But it was the same show, though. <laughs> it was the same show, and it honestly wasn't as good. No, it, it wasn't. Beginning of the tour is always better than end of the tour, like straight up. BB Rexa, which we saw both times, yeah, truly was was performing the first time and was Phoning going through the motions the second time. <laughs> yeah. But I, I love the um, idea of, like, performing an album a night. It's kind of similar to what, like, Taylor's yeah. doing with Eras, although she's doing yes. it all in one night. But, like, we're in at that point minutes. in in their careers that they have so much mm-hmm. music. And it's just really fun. And you get to, like, relive all of those mo- moments. So I love it. Yeah. And can't believe that they – can't believe that Kevin Jonas finally made his Broadway debut all of these I years know. later. After Nick and, Nick and Joe Nick and have Joe. already done it. Nick and Joe yeah, really – Nick's done it a few times now. Yes. Joe just in what? La Boheme? La Boheme. Yeah, I remember because I I did watch their documentary again last night that Joe said that his first theater debut was off-Broadway in Oliver as the Artful Dodger. Wow. Look at that. How So what a theatrical family, except for Kevin. Except for Kevin. (laughs) Kevin is my favorite, though. And Kevin, Kevin deserves. Remains at the top of the list for you um so yeah that's our obsession of the week that's also <laughs> our um episode on original songs written for movie musicals um we this is the first ranking episode of the year and we would love to do more of them so as always let us know what you would like to hear and um you can also listen to our previous ranking episodes by subscribing to our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts and we also have a portion on youtube where all of our ranking episodes live so you can subscribe to us over there and we'd really appreciate it if you left us a comment and you can follow us on twitter and instagram at off to be away podcast with the number 
too. We're more active on Instagram, so send us a message, a DM over there. Yeah. Um, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.